We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and bold to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and the vandals affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host brian marceau joined as always by former producer current co-host dallas hammer who should be look i'm not gonna i'm not gonna steal this from you but you had some relatively good news related to football you're going to talk about like 12 seconds, right? Yeah. So that was like the longest three and a half hours of my life on Sunday. Uh, I screamed Cooper MF cup louder than I think I've ever yelled anything in my entire life. And for those of you that know me, I have a very deep and powerful voice and can yell like no other. So um, I scared the hell out of my wife. Uh, but hey, moving on. I did not scream Cooper cups name. But I've thought about it. Anyway, we're also joined, hashtag only tubs. We are joined by <laughs> producer, I almost want to say producer Dallas Hammer, but I just said Dallas Hammer. New producer, Martin Hate Keemstra. Martin, from Moscow, Hello. live. How's it going? I'm doing good, Brian. It's it's a Tuesday afternoon. It's a Tuesday evening. It's a little it's still cold, but it's having a good evening. How about yourself? Well, once I get to introduce Matt Brown from Extra Points, I'll be doing pretty dang well. By the way, uh, viewers can see this. Listeners are just going to learn about it. We're joined today by Matt Brown of Extra Points all the way from Chicago, correct? That That's right. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, stand up stand up a little bit late central time, almost nine. And look, we're, we're going to just jump right into Around the Bar because Matt, Matt's on a bit of a timeline. Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Matt, you're on. Because on your your website, Extra Points, you published an article, which was which is also based in some like firsthand reporting uh, and documents you, you're able to get relating to. It's kind of it's I don't a bombshell might be like a little too much, but it's a pretty big deal what you picked up. It's about Portland State football and Portland State athletics in general. Listeners, this definitely relates to Idaho because it relates to the Big Sky. But Matt, I'm not gonna I don't want to put words in your mouth. Tell our listeners, well, what's the big deal? Sure. So I, you know, I got a tip uh, you know, way back in like February or March that Portland State was at least kicking around the idea of potentially getting out of the football business. And a big part of that is because they don't have a stable stadium situation. Um, I, uh, I heard that they had retained the services of a consulting company to be able to give them some benchmarking data and walk them through you know, what you would need to do in order to have a, 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 a strong, high-functioning football program at the big sky level and really a, a high-functioning Division One athletic department because Portland State, with a few exceptions, has really struggled in big sky play. Um, that re- Those reports were finished late this fall. I filed an open records request and uh, received both of those reports from the university, uh, shared those on the website, You know, made a couple of phone calls here. I-, I don't want to say that it is a done deal that Portland State is going to drop football. And I've been told that if they do drop football, they will uh, be dropped from the Big Sky Conference and have to go somewhere else. But it, it-, it shows a degree of seriousness here that I don't think has been shared by many other schools at the FCS level to say like, look, what we're hoping to get out of our athletic department, we're not getting right now. Here's the math. We need to come up with something different because schlepping our program, you know, 15 miles into the suburbs into a place that's not even really supposed to be a football stadium where we can't tailgate. We don't get to keep the game day revenue and nobody shows up is, isn't working. If that's a recipe to lose money, bleed, bleed interest and not be competitive in what's a very strong FCS football league. And the first thing I want to I want to kind of have you walk through as many other points as we can do yeah. during this next thirty minutes. the The line that jumped out to me reading through the was well, there's like a four hundred page consultant report. Yeah, that it's, 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 a, it's a healthy novel worth of data. Yeah, the first thing that jumped out to me is there was a line in the consultant report, pr- relatively early, that described Portland State 
as having an athletic department that's more analogous to a division two program, not to a mid major uh, or, you know, for us for football FCS athletic department. What are, when, when you saw that line, I'm guessing, I don't know if I, I'm, cause you've done the reporting. I don't know if that was flooring to you. Can you walk, walk us through a few of the specifics that to you make that line about a more analogous to a D2 level program seem accurate? Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't think it's a huge stretch. One of the, the big gaps here that the both of these reports found with Portland State is that they are have really underfunded and understaffed the infrastructure of their athletic department. Um, having a good D1 program isn't just about coaches and about fully funding scholarships, which I don't think Portland State does even for all of their Olympic sports anyway. You need one. If you want to earn money, you have to have people – um, doing outbound sales calls, trying to move tickets. You need to have people that are engaged with trying to uh, chase down sponsorship money or to develop your multimedia rights, which is different from your 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 tier one like television. You know the deal that they have with ESPN Plus, but selling billboards in Portland and selling signage at their basketball uh, games and those kind of things that actually takes time. It takes people. It takes resources. You need to have. Uh, people to handle like dynamic pricing for for tickets, and then you also need phys- like trainers. You need um, people to help with name, image, and likeness. You need people to help with sports psychology, with academic support. And Portland State has never really funded any of that other stuff to the level of even a median Big Sky institution. To say nothing nothing of of anything that's a little bit higher up. So if you're not doing those things, you're not going to recruit the athletes that you need. You're not going to be able to earn the revenue that, that that you need to be able to pay for everything else. You're always going to be behind the eight ball. Um, when you look not just at the stadium and not just at the fan support and not just at the kind of school Portland State is, which is um, one that serves a more diverse and older typical undergraduate, a much more commuter undergraduate than many other FCS schools. You add all that stuff behind the scenes and you're like, yeah, this is uh, this is right now an athletic department that kind of like has the, the facade of a, of a D1 institution. Once you kind of go beyond that facade a little bit, you see that a lot of the blood and guts have never been developed. I and mean, it's no surprise that they're typically at the bottom of the conference standings. And when you say blood and guts, just so, so listeners are clear, you're not using that in when you use those terms. And when you talk about the stuff Portland state does not have, you mean that like in a diagnostic sense, this isn't like, this isn't, you know, like, I don't know, putting down the athletic department. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah. This, you're this, saying they're missing foundational pieces that if you're an average D one athletic department, you should expect these not only to be present, but them to be fully operational. Yeah. That, that, oh, thank you for that. Like this is, I'm not, this is not me being pejorative. Uh, I, I don't think that, you know, Portland state necessarily has bad coaches or anything, but this is something that I've seen a lot in, in my publication. I track this kind of thing with mid and low major schools where you decide, okay, we want to be a D one school. We know that D one athletics in some capacity is going to help us with enrollment, with diversity, with community outreach. And when you don't really interrogate, those assumptions very hard, or you don't really think about what do I actually have to do, spend money on, spend time on to make sure we're accomplishing those things. We saw this with Hartford and, and their kind of messy exit with uh, out of the America East. We've seen this with UC Riverside, with Eastern Washington, with Wright State, you know, not far from where I grew up in Ohio, a bunch of these other places. And that's kind of what's happening here. So if anything, I would credit this administration for spending the money and being unafraid to ask itself maybe some of these unpleasant questions and now realizing, well, what is it that we want to do? Because if you do want to forget just competitiveness, if you want to have a, a program that really builds a fan base and has a positive stadium experience, you have to have some of these back end infrastructure things ready to go. I don't think you can hope that you pay $150,000 to a coach and you catch lightning in a bottle and make the playoff and that changes all your problems. That That's generally not how sports works at this level. Are there... Are there, let's say you're giving, making a list of, I don't mean in like an exact sequential list, but other than the, some of the other things you've referenced, which again, for listeners, the things Matt referenced earlier, those are absolutely basic facets that are not present in the Portland State Athletic Department. In your mind, other than the stadium, which is a huge deal. You know, I, I talked about this 
or wrote about this back when I wrote for the Montana Mint and did their newsletter that Portland State potentially could do a football stadium where they partner with Portland Public Schools. It would cost $50 million and they wouldn't even get to have the stadium completely as their own. Which just bring that up for that's a huge deal to to not even to spend fifty million dollars on the place isn't even your own. Uh, never mind, no one says they have fifty million dollars to spend on it. But other than that, huge, almost immovable thing. What are let's say three or four other big obstacles that Portland State at least is beginning to confront based off having this report? Yeah, I mean I, it's hard to overstate the stadium alone, right? Because not only does that present barriers to how good your football program can be. That limits how well you can fundraise. That limits how well you can generate revenue from your actual game. So that's selling tickets or getting concession revenue or parking or any of those other things. And it also limits your ability, I think, to provide a unified vision for your athletic department, which you need for donors. You know, one of, one of the things that I think was an action opportunity with Portland State is even though you have a undergraduate student body and an alumni group, that may not have had a really tight connection to the athletic department when they were there, right? I, I want to say the average age of a Portland State student is like 26. It's 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 different from you know Weber State. It's different from uh, you know some Southland type kind of schools. But Portland's growing, and there's a lot of corporate money in Portland, and there's a lot of institutional money in Portland. But if you are a foundation or a business, do you want to give two hundred thousand dollars to an athletic department when you're not necessarily sure what their strategic vision is? No, if, if, and they don't even have a permanent athletic director right now. Um, so beyond the stadium, right, you got to decide, are we going to commit to football or not? And and I think, it, honestly, I think that's a decision you need to make as a school before you hire an AD, because they're not offering $500,000 to this AD job. I don't, I don't even think they're offering three hundred. dollars So no one's going to want to take a gig where you don't know your president's going to be there in three years, and you don't know if the school is going to be super committed to football. And also, you're not making huge money. And you want somebody that's been an AD before. So in order to get the right like senior administrative leader, you got to figure that stuff out. I think at a much more granular level, this is an athletic department that would benefit from more athletic trainers. And something that's pretty common for mid and low major schools that don't have a lot of money is that they'll do a partnership with a local hospital or with a private physical therapy clinic and arrange for that kind of phys- the, the that training uh, work to be done as an in-kind donation uh, in exchange for signage or promotional work with that third party. So if you don't have the money to hire four more trainers, um, you should find a way to get somebody else to do that and then and make that a, a big picture corporate partnership because everything else is about revenue generation, but it doesn't matter what kind of money you're bringing in. If you are not having the best possible experience for your athletes and the best way to do that, like the first thing is to make sure they're healthy. And to make sure they're able to play their their entire career. And that means having somebody who knows how to do something besides just tape them up. You know what I mean? Yes. So follow up. We're eventually going to transition to this relating to the Big Sky itself and University of Idaho. But the report gave, I think, five potential recommendations uh, for Um, what Portland State can do in relation to both football and sports in general at Portland State. The, The final three in the report... I believe you I believe you think are probably less likely those final three are going division two, going division three, or eliminating sports altogether. Is it correct to say based off your understanding those are probably less likely scenarios at this point? Yeah, I, I would honestly be blown away if they dropped out of sports completely. Um, not only did Collegiate Consulting, which is the third party firm that put together the four hundred page document, you also had a um a separate committee, I think the one like the future of sports at Portland State, that included like faculty athletic reps and regents and other stakeholders. And they said the same thing. Um, dropping to Division Two or Division Three, honestly, doesn't get rid of a lot of your cost problems. You might be able to, to continue with this with this crappy stadium, but you still have to have coaches. You still have to have trainers. You still have to have many of these other, uh, other costs. But now your ability to raise money has gone completely kaput. And Portland State doesn't need to boost enrollment. Like that might be something that you would consider if you're Linfield or if you're, uh, I don't know, some, some school with 3,000 students. Portland State's pretty big. There's not a shortage of getting people to enroll as commuter students. So th- none of that makes sense, especially because I don't know if you guys have looked at the kind of schools that are Division Three. It's pretty unusual for a public school, especially a public school with more than like 6,000 students to compete at that level. There are, there are the schools like Portland State don't 
these Division three schools look more like Vassar or Oberlin or Kenyon or these small liberal arts colleges, not more urban commuter schools. So you had a hard time finding people to play. Uh, I think that the, the realistic things that are really being considered here are, do we continue the status quo? Do we remain a member of the big sky? Do we remain a member of division one? And if we're going to do that, we have to, we, we owe it to our football program and our athletic department to find a permanent stadium solution. And that's going to cost money. And we're going to have to spend money to make money. Or we decide we can't do it. Real estate here is too expensive. We wanted to, to do the high school site. And that would have required us to, spent a gajillion dollars on uh, reducing the environmental impact on like the White River and a couple other places. We can't do it. We're going to go join the WAC or we're going to go join the Big West and we're going to focus on volleyball or basketball. I think those are your two honest, really only choices here. And that just depends on really what people are willing to pay for. And of those two options, I'm not asking to put a percentage on any of these because obviously that like that's not something we can you can reasonably do. But I jumped on your spaces last week when this when you first published this, yeah. and you described Portland State dropping football as there's a a non zero percent chance. Yeah. As in, you think people should be aware this isn't this, this isn't like Eastern the Eastern Washington story. A lot of that was faculty driven, uh, based off the amount of media attention yeah. it we ever received. And by the way, if you look through this report. Eastern certainly everyone knows they have an athletic budget deficit they have to hand they have to manage. But if you look through this report, Eastern clearly is not an underfunded big sky athletic department, at least for the major sports. Nope. Portland State, completely different animal. Would of the two options that exist, which would you say you think is probably most likely? But with the caveat being You've already said you think both are absolutely realistic options. Yeah, I, I think both could happen. And based on what I have been told right now. I think it is more likely that Portland State remains in the big sky and continues their football program. Even if they come out and say, you know, we're going to continue to play in Hillsborough for three years. Our new athletic director is going to uh, spend all of their time either fundraising for a new facility or creating an agreement to let us go back to Providence Park where the Thorns and the Timbers play and where the Vikings used to play and which is uh, much closer to campus. I think that is probably more likely to happen, but, but certainly you're right. When the Eastern Washington stuff was happening, like I, I wanted to, I wrote about it because it's still newsworthy, but there were no relevant stakeholders within that university outside of the faculty union. And honestly, probably minority of the faculty that were pushing for this. It's, I think it was clear that there's, there's some big financial problems still with EWU that they haven't really solved yet, but this is something where, Honestly, like, I, I think Portland State's interim, like their current president is kind of ambivalent about continuing with football. And that if you want, if you care about the status quo, you need to, folks need to, to change some minds and involved in the Portland State community. It's definitely not zero. So Matt, yeah. Portland State and Eastern Washington are, are kind of similar in the way that they're both at best the third most popular school athletically in in their state in oregon you obviously have oregon and oregon state you have washington and washington state you're they're they're kind of battling for that trying to find that niche of their fan base is that part of what this problem is is there's not enough people that that care i mean obviously the stadium is it's that's that's an awful situation but is there enough of an actual fan base to care to help fix this problem this is a good question and from talking to people at the big sky and from around portland state I don't think the I don't think the problem is that there's not enough people in Oregon to support more than two Division One institutions. Um, it's a, kind of a different value proposition. It's a different experience uh, supporting an FCS team. I, I'm sure that there are more um, Oregon fans on Portland State's campus than there are people that would self-identify as Portland State fans. But that's true. I think in every commuter college, just basically in the country. You know, I, I grew up in Ohio. Um, if you went to any Ohio school in the Horizon League and most in the MAC, you'll find more people that are Buckeye fans than there are Kent State Golden Flashes fans. Like if you go around Texas, you go to UT Arlington, there's going to be more Longhorn fans there. It doesn't necessarily mean that UT Arlington can't function or, or shouldn't have an athletic program. I, I think that the bigger issue is, is not so much that they're losing potential fans to the Ducks as they are losing, never developing a potential fan at all. And that the student, the, the typical student at Portland State is just not likely to engage in college football or do something else because they live at home or they have other things going on. 
Um, it's it's a similar joke that I like to talk about with my neighborhood here in Chicago. It's a, in the Midwest. It's a a popular kind of talk radio trope or off season blog topic to talk about. You know, who's really Chicago's you know football team? Is it Notre Dame? Is it Ohio State or or Illinois or Northwestern? I'm like, in my neighborhood, dude, it's it's probably Chivas. It's it's probably the Mexican national soccer team. It's 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 not football at all because of the of you know uh, of what the demographics of that area look like, and then people deciding to just pick something else. So that I think is more of the fan base issue. You you have to work a little bit hard to develop somebody who's not just going to roll out of bed and support you. And Portland State sure hasn't made that easy right now. Yeah, in football. This is the big one that I'm, I'm just trying to focus on because that's yeah. kind of the, the big question in the report. Portland State's football funding based off the uh, operating budgets made available in the, in the report. This is from 2019. Portland State doesn't even allocate a million dollars to their football program. They, they allocate $931,950, which as a reference point, that's only 27 and a half percent of what Eastern Washington does where they're at 3.39 million or university of Idaho for our listeners. We run a a pretty trim program compared to Eastern at 1.68 million, but even compared to us, Portland State's only their football budget is 55% of what ours is. So I guess question I have for you before we transition to, to Idaho stuff at all, what do you think, Let's say your average Big Sky fan, whether it's Nido fan, Montana fan, Montana State, sure. Idaho State, whatever, they come across this this report. They they read through it. What do you think their their takeaway should be about Portland State and the Big Sky if status quo is maintained? I mean, if Portland State isn't able to not just find a stable stadium home but bring up their operations funding primarily for football, but also for some other sports to be within shouting distance of, of the conference media. I think that, that if you're a fan of anybody else, you should know that uh, their stakeholders at that university would say, if we can't do that, it's not worth doing. It's not worth us, you know, to, to, you know, pardon, pardon my language here. It's not worth half-assing. And they're, they're definitely half-assing it right now. And you're seeing that not just on the field, but you're seeing that in their ability to sell tickets, to drive alumni engagement, to drive some of these other things that the school's trying to do. And I suspect if you if you follow this league very deeply, you probably kind of pick that up just from watching them, right? Or, or, or from being kind of dimly aware of this program. I, I would need to get really into the weeds before I could like really conclusively make an apples to apples comparison between like operational budgets because different schools categorize things in different ways. But I mean, beyond salaries, recruiting and operations, you can't run an FCS football program that has any designs of being 500 for under a million bucks, especially given that Portland is not the cheapest place in the country to, to do these things. You have a higher cost of living. You have higher travel. Um, you have to recruit a bunch of athletes in California. Like not everybody you're getting here is homegrown. Like that would not be enough money. Something closer to what Idaho is doing, I think, would really be the minimum. And I guess I want to transition to the other option Portland State has yeah. that you the other Division One option that I don't know if you'd call it the second most likely option, but it it would be the alternative. less probably yeah. a less radical option than D2. And, and like you said, D3, Portland State has no business class, yeah. classifying with like That's Whitworth okay. in Spokane. There's, it would make zero sense whatsoever. The other option is get rid of football and remain D1. But like you already said, they, they would not be a big sky team if they get rid of football. So they, they'd right. be calling somewhere else home. And then what's the other step of that? What is it theoretically pre try to have basketball or some other sport become the organizing force or like the marquee sport within the athletic department, or would it be cut football and kind of keep doing what we're doing? Just, we saved almost a million dollars by not playing, playing football. What is it? Yeah. I mean, so if I was advising this athletic department and they're saying, what, what if we just stop playing football and then try to do everything else we were doing? I would say that's a terrible idea. Uh, not because I think that universities have a moral imperative to play football or not. I think you could have a great athletic department if you're Gonzaga or St. Mary's or Idaho or any number. It could look different in a bunch of different places. But again, you can't half-ass it. Like if you're going to drop football, and uh, I've been told that Portland State would like to stay in the Big Sky, and the Big Sky has made it very clear that the bylaws say you got to play football, 
And, um, you know, in a world where, I don't know, if Montana said, hey, we're dropping football, maybe you work with them a little bit because that's a, you know, that's a bigger brand that's more important. Portland State's not that, right? Like that, that no, no, just like, same thing with like Northern Colorado. Like no one is going to go to the mattresses to protect that program in this league. So then you have, you have a couple of, of things you have to figure out. One is where the, where the hell you're going to play because going to the WAC um, creates some other travel difficulties and, and that, that, won't really save you a ton of money, especially because you may not be able to charter everywhere or fly direct everywhere, or maybe the big West, but it's, there's no guarantee the big West will take you um, given the importance of being in California for most of those institutions. And you swing and miss on both of those, buddy, like going to the summit league or, or things, things get much worse. The other I thing want to I, applaud you for bypassing the West coast conference joke. Oh, okay, come on, man. Unless Portland state's going to convert to Catholicism and mass. Like that's, that's, I've been no, I've been in this business long enough to know that's that's not a thing. Um, so the the other big question then is is what do you want to be? And the report is saying like, hey, we actually have a pretty good basketball facility, um, despite everything else with our athletic department. We're going to have to start some new sports. Um, one sport that's popular on the West Coast that we could recruit relatively cheaply would be volleyball, and we can see uh, there's there's places on the West Coast where you can have a men's volleyball team and bring in three thousand people to watch. You know, when BYU or Stanford or Hawaii plays volleyball, you can you can fill a big arena like that is theoretically possible. Soccer, very popular in the Pacific Northwest. Um, also, not a very expensive sport operationally, despite the fact that most Division One soccer men's soccer rosters are highly international. And uh, you can make a Final Four as a mid or a low major. Marshall won this thing two years ago. Um, Santa Clara on the women's side has been like the final four twice in like three years. I want to say like BYU is just in the final, like you could do it and you could potentially compete for championships if you make the right hire, but you're still going to have to then hire all those trainers we talked about. You're still going to have to hire the operations people. You're still going to have to build this infrastructure that's lacking. Um, and if the whole point of having an athletic department is to do these other positive things that you're saying, you can do that with a variety of different sport layouts. But building that infrastructure is non-negotiable, and, and that's still going to require you to find some money. Last question for – well, second to last question. Matt, again, now just pretend you're talking to Idaho fans because you are. Mm-hmm. What I don't mean what should Idaho fans take away. What should Idaho fans hope for out of Portland State at this point? Because hmm. just from my end, I think – if Portland as a market could ever work for the big sky as in actually drawing eyes that there is value there and it is another close school, you know, it's a bus, it's a long bus ride, theoretically busable, or it's, you know, it has a major airport. So transportation is not as big a deal. But I can tell you from my end, reading your, what you've published, it reinforced to me kind of fatigue at Portland state because they have seemed like one of the schools who isn't trying at least not trying to be D1 level. Yeah. And I'm, I'm get, based off what you've described, I, I don't yeah. mean this in judgmental terms. I'm guessing you would agree that no, this there's not evidence they're trying to be right, what right, you call right a now, yeah. D1 program. Yep, what exactly should an Idaho fan hopes happen to Portland State as a result of this? Yeah, that's, that, that's, you know, that's a good question. And I, I try not to come in here and be like, I'm the big, smart, out-of-town reporter. And here's what this market that I don't know passionately well how to do, right? I, I, I know – I. I've, I've gotten to know a lot of fans of big sky programs. And if you said to me, listen, I think this league is too big as it is. I would rather not uh, have my team play games against schools that don't care. And every game that we're playing against Northern Colorado or against Portland state, we're, we are, we're not playing Montana. We're not playing Eastern Washington. We're not playing Weber. And if we got rid of the teams that suck and stopped caring so we can play the teams that don't suck and do care more often, my experience as a fan would be better. And if an Idaho fan told me that, I'd be like, you know what, dude, I get it. And so if you want to root for Portland State to leave, because I don't think the big sky would replace them, um, that makes sense. If you think that if this program becomes average, that presents, yeah, it's a six-hour bus ride. You, you can do that in a league where you can't uh, bus very many other places. It's a growing city. You might think that uh, that might potentially that if they become average could make future media deals more valuable, given that you know not all of the schools in this league are in major metropolitan areas. It has the capacity to become much better than it actually is right now and could improve your sports sponsorship in other sports. Like um, 
I want, I, I want to say that if they leave, the Big Sky won't have enough softball programs for an AQ. Uh, they, they, they've been good at some other sports. Like if, I mean, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, you know, who's good at softball or who's good at X, Y, or Z in, in the league. But if that's something you care about, great. You, you, you can you can have them stay. I, I, I know that that makes lousy radio, but like I can see a pathway where Idaho would benefit either way. It just depends on what's most important to you. And I don't think it's in my position to be able to tell either one of you or any of your listeners, like as an Idaho fan, you should feel this. You know what I mean? I mean, to, to sum that up, essentially, they just have to get out of neutral. And either yeah. way, there's going to be some sort of benefit to Idaho, to the big sky, if either they turn it around and that media market that hook finally does establish or they back out and it's one less school that doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, either, either, either of those things are fine. It's, it's time to, you know, it's time to crap or get off the pot. And I, I think now there's inertia, you know, forcing them to do that. Cause this is, you're not in a, and you guys know this, like this isn't a league where you can just sit around and, and, and be average and, and not, and not care. Right. This is a high level FCS football conference with some fan bases that really care. And with um, a media deal and a conference office that that really care and and uh, it, it's, you, if, if you're in the OVC or if you're in like the NEC or something and this is your athletic department like you know fine, but that's not where you are right now. Matt, thanks for joining us. Where can our listeners find you? And I I know because in researching this, I found a new great website to subscribe to. So Matt, uh, tell me where to find you. This, these are always my favorite questions, right? So I am, uh, I write extra points. Actually, starting next week, it's going to become a daily newsletter. Um, I do original reporting and I do analysis. And I dig into the business and the educational, administrative, demographic stories that shape how college sports works. Um, you can subscribe to that for free and get two of those newsletters a week at extrapointsmb.com, or you can become a paying subscriber, uh, which, you know, gives fruit snacks and granola bars to my children uh, for just eight bucks a month. Uh, and that gives you access to all five of those newsletters. And that can, you can find uh, all the FOIA work that we've done. We have athletic budgets for hundreds of, of schools across the country, lots of coaching contracts, a ton of FCS football and basketball game contracts. If those are kind of things that you're interested in. And look, if you just, if you want to know how this league works or how the, all the stuff that shapes who's going to make the playoff or who's able to keep their coach, I, I think you'll learn a lot by reading extra points. Matt, thanks for joining us. Hey, Come back. Next yeah. time you have your bombshell Idaho report, you know who to message first. No, you, yeah, you, you, <laughs> got, you got it. If I, if I, if I get any vandal news or if I get something that's going to embarrass Boise state, I know who to call. That is absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. If you, if you can embarrass Boise state, dude, I I've been trying to tell everybody here in my time zone. Like if we're just trying to think of rivalries where there is real hate, like real unmitigated distaste. This is this this is one that I think my East Coast and Central uh, Time Zone brethren kind of forget about. Uh, w w between you and the trucking school, a little bit farther down south. First off, Matt, I love you. Second <laughs> off, who do we hate? Boise State. We're we're, we're hearing this more and more. Um, so, <laughs> thanks, 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 fellas. I'll uh, I'll I, uh, uh, hopefully we get to talk again about something else later on. All right, Matt, thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. So before we jump into basketball, I think we should just touch on some of the other stuff in this a little bit. And I do want to tell listeners, some of you may notice we did not have Matt uh, ice us. Just the tone of that producing in public uh, seemed like that would have been, let's call it not smooth. So we're moving on. Um, yep. Big thing that I took away from this is one, we're probably not done talking about this report because by digging through, there's a ton of info on the entire Big Sky conference in this report, meaning it's actually reasonable to get essentially vital signs on Idaho itself by looking through Portland State's data because Portland State's data covers Idaho. All the stats that I referenced relating to Idaho budgetary-wise, that was in the scope of this Portland State report. So we will definitely be going back into this. Mm -hmm. Dallas... I want, I want your take. You're also on the shelf for a while. What are you hoping happens here? What I hope happens is the one thing I think is actually the least realistic. Uh, if you look over the, if you go subscribe to Matt Brown, uh, spend that eight bucks, get the 483 page report that will tell you all about the stats we're about to talk about. It'll give you also a 15 page report 
that's just a, a quick little brief that was like written up by Portland State to present to uh, the president or whoever it was. They, they recommend four options. The first option they recommend is to increase athletic funding uh, because then, and it, it lays out about all the challenges they've had and the struggles that, that are currently going on and, and how that would be fixed if they just had more money to, to put into the program. That's the first thing that they recommend. And it their recommendation says, pursue this option only if the university is willing to increase institutional support and develop a realistic strategy for increasing other sources of revenue. I would love to see that. I, I, as we talked about it, like having the Portland market actually mean something in the big sky would be huge. Like, I know it's cool that you know, the, the basketball tournament is held in Boise. It'd be pretty cool if that was held in Portland because Portland all of a sudden became the epicenter of the big sky. It's never going to happen. I don't think there's any chance that this is ever going to happen. They're not going to pump. I don't think they have the money to pump into their athletic department to make it worth anything. Uh, that's what I'm hoping is going to happen, uh, mainly because I think anybody that puts the number 69 in their tag is just hilarious. So shout out Rack of Tits 69 because I, I, I love that. Coach Barnum 69, I wish that guy had a lifetime deal. But at the end of the day, that's not going to happen. I think it's so much more realistic that Portland State is going to either drop football or reclassify as Division II. I just don't see them putting the money into this that they need to make this program actually mean something. I expect the most likely option is status quo, where there's a small increase in a couple of places, and Big Sky fans don't really notice the difference. But th that, by the way, that's just a hot take. But the reason I say that is because changing course is a pretty big deal. Like at Idaho, we changed from FBS to FCS. We know that's a big deal, but we've also watched no one else has followed in that direction. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the most likely thing is do a slightly different version of what you're doing right now. And I don't know, pretend a couple of changes are a big deal. What I'm hoping for, honestly, I have been fatigued with Portland state forever and reading that, like I already referenced, Portland State doesn't even, in terms of their operating budget for football, they're not even at a million dollars a year. Every other big sky school is. The only one that's even close is Northern Colorado, who's just a little over one million. But there's still like 80,000 more than Northern than Portland State, which when you're talking about monies at that level, 80,000 is actually a pretty big deal. Portland State for basketball is the second least funded program in the big sky conference. And they actually do. Okay. They're the number four revenue wise in 20 in 2019. I honestly, I don't think it's going to happen, but I kind of hope they ditch football, get the hell out of the big sky. And so there's something positive Portland state. I don't like hate Portland state. I'm just I, with our schedule being impacted by schools that aren't trying. I'm just done with them at this point and seeing all the data, which, I really wish we'd go over it piece by piece. It's just we're not yet a top five Portland State podcast. They're not trying. Any suspicion people have about Portland State not being serious, this isn't like this isn't pejorative. They're objectively not trying as an athletic department. I don't want anything to do with them. So I would love if they – I wanted to bail on football, get out of the big sky, but then so Portland gets something positive. They use some of that almost million dollars and have a normal level basketball funding for whatever conference they join. And if they can have some inertia, uh, some sorry, some positive momentum because of basketball, great. I'm just so done with a lot of people with the belief that Portland State can become something in the big sky when like they're just not structurally. They can't. They don't have enough money. Eyes in Portland are going to be tough to get because Portland's look. They're competing with the Portland Trailblazers. We talk about having trouble competing with Washington Washington State. Good God, at least it's not NFL or NBA. So no, man, I. I want I, I would like us to get down to 11 teams. Anything that lets us get get rid of one team, have to restructure protected rivals to get Montana back on our schedule every year. That's what I'm hoping for. Not expecting, but uh fingers crossed, man. I mean, and that's that's the one thing that I don't think is highlighted quite enough. That like I love the city of Portland. Uh it's just it's such a I mean, it's a weird place. Like that's why it's you know, keep Portland weird. Like it's it's so passionate in the the timbers and then that ends and goes immediately into the nba and so it's it's hard to kind of carve out that niche of football there's no nfl team and if there was i think that would that would solve any problem i think that would probably ignite people's passion for football and 
if Portland State could figure out a stadium, even if they just went and, play, and played back in uh, in Providence Park or whatever it's called now, uh, if they went back and played there, then yeah, they'd probably be fine. But nobody cares because you have the Timbers who are historically, or at least recent history, they're they're decent, they're they're fun. Uh, you know, they almost won it all this year. Uh, there's MLS talk for you. Uh, and then you roll into the Blazers, and obviously the Blazers are are down. But there's there's other things to do in Portland other than watch a football team that you can tell the athletic department doesn't really try or care. And the that's I think what's the most frustrating thing about all of this to me is we continue to hear the Eastern Washington thing every couple of years, and I think it's that's going to continue for a decade. Eastern is dumping so much more money into their program than Portland State is. Eastern is at least trying. If Eastern, if it ends up at the end of the day and they do have to declassify from D1 and drop to D2 or D3 or they drop football, all the things that you know their faculty is pushing out, they are pumping a ton of money into football, way more than Idaho is. Yeah, they're, they're, they're twice they're as much as Idaho. Yeah, they are, they're at least trying. Portland State is not trying, and I think that's the most frustrating thing is they got to this point because they're kind of just stuck in neutral. So status quo is just going to be more of this, just bleh. Yeah, we're in timeline, timeline, line, Jesus Christ, timeline wise, Jesus, try, learn how to talk, dude. We're going to transition to, to basketball. We're not done talking about this report because there's a ton of Idaho stuff in here. We have to go over some of which relates to basketball and is horrifying. Some of it, some of which is not horrifying whatsoever. It just paints a picture of who University of Idaho actually is. But before we shift over, have to give a quick shout out to our sponsor of Around the Bar, Hughes River Expedition, run by one of our favorite vandals, Colin Hughes. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Men's I have to jump in here really quickly before you go to men's basketball. I have to apologize to Colin. Uh, none of our audio listeners are going to notice this. Martin just did a much better job of showcasing their website than I ever did. I know that the website, putting the website up was my idea, but Martin took a B plus idea that I executed at like a, a D level and executed it with a solid A. So shout out Hughes River. Uh, if you guys are watching uh, or if you guys are listening to this, just go watch the ad. Martin actually showcased the website and showed off all this great stuff. I just like put up the pretty pictures and just clicked through them because I was an idiot. So anyways, sponsor talk over. Perfect. Basketball update, guys. We have three games to talk about because our we had a COVID reschedule that took place last night. So Thursday, Idaho loses to Northern Colorado 87-70 to 70 in a game that was not close whatsoever. Uh, Mikey Dixon, by the way, this, that was in Moscow. Uh, Mikey Dixon scored 22 points on 8-16 from the field. Tanner Christensen added a double-double of 10 points, 10 rebounds. But uh, we lost by 17 because Northern Colorado shot 57% from the field and 47% from three. Saturday, in a we rebounded, picked up our first Big Sky win at home against Sacramento State, 73-72 in overtime, where Idaho Idaho was in control of this game and collapsed for overtime to take place, but came away with the win. Trevante Anderson had kind of a rebound game for him, scored 17 points on six and nine from the field. Jamil King added 10 points off the bench. Uh, Zach Chappelle and Bryce Fowler really carried the day for Sacramento State. Those those two combined for 52 points on their own. But again, we edged them in overtime. Then Monday, in Portland, Idaho picks up its first road league win since Eastern Washington back in 2020, like before the coronavirus was a thing. That was our last road win in conference. We'll finally pick up another one. Beat Portland State 84-79. 
Mikey Dixon had a huge game, 27 points. Javante Anderson scored 20. Rashad Smith picked up 15 as well. The Those wins were Idaho's first consecutive D1 wins since the Victor Sanders era teams back in late February through early March of 2018. Yeah, it's been that long. But Dallas, what is the story of Idaho's stretch of three games, including those consecutive wins? Boy, uh, the stretch it, to me is is disappointment. Um, the win over Sac State and Portland State, while both of those are fantastic, uh, I mean, not, not fantastic, it was pretty bad basketball, but fantastic in that, hey, like you said, we've just had a winning streak for the first time in three years. Uh, the issue, or yeah, three years, numbers are hard, four years. Uh, somebody do the math. I, I don't do math live. It, it struggles. Anyways, uh, the it's disappointing to me to see that this team goes out and beats Sacramento State and Portland State, but yet lost to NAU and Idaho State. If, if things had gone the way they did this week, two weeks ago, we'd be talking about this team completely different than we are right now. Uh, to, to me, it's it almost screams of too little too late. Like the like Kloss is making the right adjustments now as we're halfway into the conference. Um, I don't want to like call players out by names. Uh, or I don't mean to call players out by names, uh, but like a guy like Gabe Cornette didn't play at all against Portland state. He, his minutes have been shrinking. Like it feels like Kloss is starting to figure out a different rotation. I don't know that uh, Solly is, is, play is starting and he's not he's not shooting like he was when he was coming off the bench but it, it feels like Kloss is finally starting to make the adjustments that needed to happen to pick up some of these victories that we needed it's just happening too late and that's what's disappointing to me is seeing that this is a there are changes happening uh we're seeing we're seeing the bench shift uh and we're just where was this when we were slamming our heads into the wall wondering why we were doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again that's to me, that's what the story of this arc is. Is Idaho's making changes, credit to Kloss, changed the rotation up, but it's is it coming too late? So I'm gonna drill down a little more narrow before we get to the question of is it too late? Because look, we're on the season, Idaho is now th we're three, so we're two and seven in conference. So I mean, two wins help but i mean two and seven in conference no one's no one's going to call that exactly a turnaround we're three three and 14 overall against division one teams after these two wins so obviously it didn't necessarily change everything but the couple things i want to i want to talk about with these games first northern colorado was really a low point because we were coming off those consecutive losses that should have been absolutely should have been wins to Idaho State and Northern Arizona. So off those, you know, we we had the show where we talked about, hey, we just lost around Robin to the two other awful teams. Then we got killed by Northern Colorado. wasn't competitive whatsoever. That was a low point for me. So look, we we absolutely rebounded relative to Idaho. Uh, mm -hmm. We won against Sacramento State. I'm not going to say that we had a great defensive outing against Sacramento State because we didn't, but in the spirit of you're too little too late, I'm not going to push back against that, but we are seeing some developments that if they are persistent could mean Idaho at least picks up some more wins this season and the, see the team's a little more fun. You know, against Sacramento state, we finally, I don't know why it took this long, finally saw some help, help defense for a little bit. Now, of course, uh, with how Bryce Fowler essentially took over the second half for Sacramento state that helped defense certainly didn't last the entire game, but it was there. Some, I remember messaging people saying, good God, that's help side defense Portland state. This was another game. This is just my takeaway from this team. And this is the frustration you talked about. I said, I said in our only tubs chat, I also just, you know, I, I live tweet the game said on Twitter early, Idaho is better than Portland state. We, we should just win this game. Now we end up winning by five because the scores at the end, but this was a game that we led by 13 in the second in the first half and then it was a tie game then we picked then we built up another lead and did a pretty good job of trying to lose that lead so i'm not saying this is a big turnaround but 
we are seeing some improvements for sure. Like, I mean, the offense is the last two games as well. Idaho made a concerted effort to get inside via dribble penetration, uh, which is really what has started to create some open shots for guys like, look, if Yusuf Solly starts to hit a few of those, that's a big deal. Also Rashad Smith was getting some good looks. So those are, those are my takeaways of there are, there are some developments and not pretending this team has turned around. Cause again, two wins, no one, if you're ecstatic about two wins, it's because the last four years have broken you as a basketball fan Two two wins shouldn't be that ecstatic about, but they were wins against teams who project as being better than both Idaho state and Northern Arizona. So we'll, we'll take what we can while keeping in mind it's not look, this isn't a 180 for this team. This is a team putting some things together that realistically they should have done in the past, but at least they did for a couple games. And I hate to be, I know Martin is expecting sunshine and rainbows, um, but I'm it's not I'm, he's not getting it. Uh Idaho is lucky to have beaten that Sac State team. I, the one like if we're going game by game, the story of that specific game is that Sacramento State pissed that game away. They shot so poorly from the free throw line they went seven of 17 from the free throw line they went four of ten in the first two of six in the second half like if you make free throws at a respectable rate that game does not go to overtime it's so i'm sorry martin uh no sunshine and rainbows for me over here that's why that's why i i, I link this all together as it's too little too late like that's a it's a good win to pull out but realistically if you're if you even shoot 50% from the free throw line, it's, it's game over and Idaho loses. Like that's, that's putrid. It is the thing that I'm going to throw in there as well, though, is Idaho shot on that game. We shot 40, 46.7% from the field and 40% from three. Those are, those are good markers. They're not otherworldly markers, which means you're right about the free throws. But still, in a game where Idaho did not play lights out, we came away with a win. That hasn't happened in forever. And Sacramento State is, again, another team. Early in that game, I said Idaho should win this game because I, Sacramento State was not more is not more talented than Idaho. They have two real good guys, uh, Chappelle and Bryce Fowler, who combined for 52 points and were pretty dang close to unstoppable especially when you don't have any sort of rotational defense to try to stop them, which is a problem that's not going to go away. But look, this is the fourth time in five games. Now we've only come away with two of wit- two wins in those four games. I mean, Dallas, you can tell me for, for me, this is the fourth time in five games I'm watching and say, no dude, Idaho should win this game. Idaho's more talented than the team they're playing. We only picked up two wins. Did you have that takeaway? And I'm talking about Northern Arizona and Idaho State in addition to Portland State, Sacramento State. Yes, absolutely. And this is, uh, you know, I know that we were, I'm going to, I guess I'm just going to go jump into it. That That's on the coach. Uh, it, it is what it is at this point. It, I, it, it is tough to watch this team. It feels a lot like when we watched, I don't know, the last three years of Paul Petrino ball, thinking there's a lot of talent on this team. This team should be better than it is. Why is this team so mediocre? Now, I'm not saying that you know the basketball team is primed for a turnaround. They're I think they're they're primed for a turnaround from being complete dog shit to eh, they're all right. Eh. Like I think that's that's where the turnaround could be, but it it, it feels like that's the problem. Like it, it is tough to watch those those four games come out of it two and two and and realistically feel like, you know. There is really no reason that this should not have been a, been four four wins, zero losses in those four games for for the Vandals. Yeah, no question. And before one of the things to close out this section, I just want to go over some league stats uh, to c- give c- context for Idaho. Is already covered their uh, three and fourteen versus D one teams, two and seven in Big Sky Conference play. Um, a couple metrics have changed earlier. Last time we recorded, Idaho was the number one scoring team in conference. That is not the case anymore. We're scoring 76.3 points per game in conference, which would put us at fifth. Defensively, we're still easily the worst team, allowing 82.9 points per game. Our scoring margin is negative 6.6 points per game, which is, of course, not close to good. It's second worst, but it is a cliff from the same cliff it was last week from Sacramento State, Portland State to NAU, Idaho, Idaho State. That's the cliff it is right now from Idaho to Idaho State. Idaho State right now has the worst scoring margin in the league at negative 15 points per game. 
And keep in mind, they just beat us. So that should actually be even worse, which at this point, Idaho State would usurp our title from last year as having the worst scoring margin in the Big Sky Conference play in the 21st century, if that number holds. Our opponent's field goal percentage, and this is a problem for this team that isn't going away. Opponent field goal percentage is on average. So what teams shoot against us, they average shooting 49.4% against us, which as a comparison, the best shooting team in the league is Northern Colorado at 49.9, which means on average, Idaho is surrendering right about equal to the best field goal percentage the league has night in night out. Opponents shoot 41% from three against us, which again, the comparison, the best three point shooting team in the league is Eastern at 39%. So Idaho, night in and night out, this is our problem. The, whoever we play, they shoot equivalent of the best in the league from three against us every night. That, that's our issue. I've heard people talk about turnovers being a problem, which you know is kind of true sometimes. Idaho's middle of the pack turnovers, guys. So the the takeaway, if your takeaway is Idaho's problem is turnovers, I got a problem. I got to tell you, you're just flat out wrong. We're middle of the pack, 12.3 turnovers per game at number six in conference. Defense is the issue. Dallas, anything you want to close out after we go cover those stats? I just wanted to give a, an update on those uh, the turnovers real quick. Idaho, the, the turnover margin in the last three games against Northern Colorado was minus two. Against Sac State, it was plus one. Uh, and against Portland State, it was minus one. Or excuse me, plus one. So Idaho had less turnovers than the opponent in, in the two games that they won this week, which, you know, it yeah, makes sense. They, they turned it over less. Great. But they only turned it over twice more than Northern Colorado did and got curb stomped. So the turnovers thing was a, was a fun point to talk about last year when we were joking about, oh, there's more turnovers than points. Woo! Like, that that ship has sailed. That was last year's team. This team does not have that problem. I mean, obviously, you'd like to cut the turnover number down. Any, any team would. But you don't have... You don't have that as a as a fallback. What you do have a fallback on is in those three games, Northern Colorado from three point forty seven percent, yeah, eight forty six percent, Portland State twenty eight point six. Like they held Portland State because they couldn't buy a bucket. It seemed like most of that game, but there's the numbers to back it up. The stat I'm going to track say people need to track for Idaho, and we are purging listeners with basketball. Exactly, vegetables hashtag. But uh, the thing that I want to bring up is that what you can track Idaho's games on for the most part is actually how many assists our offense generates against Northern Colorado. We generate six total assists. That is a terrible number in our wins against Portland state and Sacramento state. We had uh, 13 assists against Sacramento state, 14 against Portland state. Those are much better numbers. The reason I bring that up is when we generate assist numbers like that, it means we're moving the ball. It means we have something that looks like a regular offense and we're getting efficient points. That's basketball. From, that's men's basketball. Martin is going to jump in. We're going to go over the week that was for the women's team and to get everyone caught up on our women's team who played the exact no, – not, not exact same. They, they only played two games. Uh, last Thursday, our, our women beat Northern Colorado 64-59. to That game was in Greeley. Beyonce Bay had another double-double, 23, 23 points and 10 rebounds. Tiana Johnson added 10 points and 8 rebounds. Then this is this is going to be rough, and I think this might be the backbreaker for hot take. Saturday, Idaho loses in overtime at Sacramento State, 76-73 in overtime. Beyonce Bay, another huge game, 21 points, six rebounds. She played all 45 minutes. Cindy Gandy and Tiana Johnson both had 17 points, five rebounds, and uh, three players, Beyonce Bay, Tiana Johnson, Allison Kirby, played all 45 minutes of this game. Hot take. What is your story of the last two games? Yeah, it, this this y'all can hear me, right? I'm not pulling Brian right now. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a uh, it was a tale of two different games. They kind of came out in the first game. It was more of a back and forth. It was Idaho would go on cold. Idaho would go on hot streaks to bring it up to ten to twelve points, and then would. And then would just come, and I would guy, I would go on, I would go on streaks where they'd go twelve points, and then they'd go on cold streaks where they'd let Northern Colorado back into it with mine it, bring it back in within two, or I Northern Colorado would. Is just going to be where it was more. They they were consistently inconsistent is the best way to put it. They would go on streaks where they just they would go hot, make it to twelve points, and then they'd 
miraculously go cold and it would go and they would lose that 12 point lead that they built up for the, and this was in the Northern Colorado game. Sorry. I should have specified that the end as I put in, as I just, as of other thoughts, they were, it was a lot closer than it should have been. Like I, it should not have been a five point win for Idaho. It should have been probably a 10 to 15 point win where you're having to rely on Allison Kirby to make, to be that 90% free throw shooter at the end of games to making those shots to make sure Idaho holds on to win. And one, one more note before moving on, just having, I think having these games where they have the cold streaks, they did, they, this was one of the first games where I saw they were finally able to come out of those cold streaks and not stay cold the entire game. Having Luis Forsyth come off the bench is something I think is great to have. And so not, she's not like a, not that she's not a quality starter, but just having her come off the bench instead of being the, being the starter, sorry. It was more, it was just, it was just better, better having that kind of spark. You'd come off having that spark that can just come in and get, get everybody else motivated, get them fired back up and get them warmed up again. Saturday, like Brian said, it did, it broke my heart. It was the game that made me, made me sad. If you're in the discord, you made me sad. Vandalman's basketball. Hope you feel good about it. They, Idaho should have won this game flat out. It shouldn't have been a three point loss. It should have been, they, they should have won it. And I, I have no problem saying that they, they had three players play all 45 minutes, but that, that doesn't make a difference. They're your three best players and they should be playing the most minutes. The game, like again, this one, it was another tale of two halves beyond speed shot one for six in the first half. That is not good coming from your first coming from your top top player in preseason MVP. That should not be something that is happening. And I get people are cold. The gig can start cold, but yeah, that's not something that should happen. Cindy Gandy was one for three. That's only one made one of three shots, but still that is not a, is not, it was not a good first half for Idaho, but somehow they still kept it 26, they 26, 25 at the, that half, and then they lose it 76 73 in OT. It was not a same, same thing as this game, except it was opposite. They started out, they had those hot and cold streaks, but like kept Sacramento State in. I think the last time they lost to Sacramento State was in Sacramento State. And I want to say it was like 74 61. And that team, I know the Idaho team that lost was Taylor Pierce and Michaela Friends on it. So if that's happening, that's a shocker there. It was. Yeah, again, it was just it was consistent. It was they couldn't stay consistent. They'd go on those streaks, and it would just not. They'd let Sacramento State back into it, and it would not. And it just should not have happened. They lost. There would have been a third game, but yeah, it was just a. Yeah, that's all I got for you guys on the basketball. So, Martin, real quick, last week you were starting I, again. No one was saying Idaho women are going to win the league or something like oh, yeah. that, but last week. You were tell, you were saying, or you were, you were starting to feel a little bit better about where this team was or where this team is. The women are just like our men's team in that this week we're playing the Montana schools, which uh, for the women that is Thursday and and Monday for the men it's Thursday and Saturday we both uh, Montana first. What you say? So it's Monday for Montana State and then. I think it's the seventh for Montana. No, it's I want to say it's flipped. It's flipped. It's flipped. So we, yeah, we play Tuesday, February first. Men yeah. play Thursday. Wait, no, that is not a good God. Like how we're we're doing a terrible job producing. But no, you are right. The women's schedule is different now. They do on paper their next their next schedule game is schedules that are back to playing on Monday. Yeah, but anyway, we both have University of Montana next. Mm-hmm. Women's team right now, three and five in conference, four and thirteen overall. But again, we care about us three and five in conference. Last week, you were saying this team felt like they're a little bit of a rebound. Uh, is that still where you are? Or is yeah, that so I get. You're gonna have those games like the Sacramento State game on Saturday where they're just gonna lose it, and it's it sucks to see that happen. But it's when it 
it hap- it seems to happen every year where Idaho loses a game or two where they shouldn't have lost it, and this just feels like one of those games. And that's our women, that's our men's women's basketball update. Martin, before we sign off, I have a question. Uh, Dallas, you might be able to answer this. We have some breaking news. The most recent episode of Keeping Up with the Vandals via Jason Eck was just published to Twitter. Is that something we can throw up for what for viewers and listeners? We are gonna figure it out together. This is this is the ultimate producing in public, people. We are okay. gonna try playing this Twitter video for you and see if it even works. One second, one second. Do you all hear the audio or no? No audio. Oh, shit. Maybe. I don't think we're going to get it, and I think we should just have it for next time. We should have something like this prep prep for next time. This was breaking as we recorded the show, so that would be why you got to have that 12-second experiment of radio silence. So we're going to call it a night. Like I said, men's team plays uh, Thursday and Saturday. Women's team has a slightly different schedule. Um, for our our purposes, our recording schedule this coming week may be a little bit different because Martin signing day is Wednesday, correct? Yes, signing day is Wednesday next week, so my Thursday Wednesday night show. I don't know. And weirdly, football football tends to be the driver, and people. Greatly yeah, prefer football, football and the, they might stick around for the vegetables. That is basketball, as a uh, rack of tit 69 tells us uh, that, that I force people to eat the vegetables. Goddamn right, I do. But our recording schedule may be different next week so that we can fit in with signing day because we naturally have football anyway, which could lead to the basketball change. We'll post on Twitter, you guys, but for sure, we're going to talk about signing day next week. At this point, it's time for Kobe Cuff to play us out. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Always remember, you can join our uh, hashtag OnlyTubs Discord at patreon.com backslash Tubs the Club. Otherwise, go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow.